Is that <laughs> muck on your laptop? That's milk. This milk. I eat cereal near it. That's horrible. Hello, yes, you're very welcome back to Higher Fidelity. This is the eighth episode, and I'm Peter. He's Ross. Uh, he's Evan. Uh, and we are the band Zen Arcade. And this is the eighth episode, as I said already. Uh, this is a podcast that is a podcast. Now, recap time. Uh, I've been asked to be in a play mm-hmm. by Davy Riley, our good friend from Cavan, who's also quite a successful nice, comedian. Nice young man. Delightful young chap, very clean. Yeah. It's a two-man play, myself and uh, another actor called Jeremy Ward. But, yes, yeah, so it's a two-man play by two brothers trying to figure out uh, from, the, from their home, which is a petrol station in Clotter Market, on the border, uh, if their dad was a wrestler or an IRA soldier. Uh, hijinks and shenanigans ensue. Set during the time of the Good Friday Agreement in 1998. I was two. Uh, the play revolves around my character knowing an awful lot about wrestling and the news at the time. Two things I know precious little about, <laughs> such as the craft. Indeed. And it's part of a showcase festival being held in Dublin over two days called uh, Seen and Heard in Smock Alley. Everyone gets a half an hour slot to just put on a one act of a three act play or whatever, or even a short story or whatever it is. It's a work in progress theatre showcase thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as such, as participants in it, we had to go along to the press launch there about two weeks ago. Mm. Before we went in, Dermot, the, the co-star, and Davy, the writer, said, look, okay, Pete, it's going to be quite theatrical in here, so just prepare yourself. Mm. And so I went in expecting a load of, like, Kenneth Branagh types discussing Othello yeah. and the finer points of Kaufman. Sir and Lawrence. What I got was, it wasn't theatre types, it was theatre students. Mm. <laughs> I, I walked into a room that was entering a fever pitch at noon. <laughs> there was running, panting, Screaming! It was the stuff of nightmares and birthday parties. <laughs> and I don't think it was missing was like the hats. Yeah, with pick and mix in them. Uh, yeah, it meets the Poseidon adventure. It sounds like all that running <laughs> and screaming. So yeah, and it was kind of so we, we very quickly found ourselves a corner just to sort of mm. stay in and wait for our photo call. This was the thing in the afternoon. All the acts had to go there, sort of kind of relatively in costume, and wait for a photo call, and then hang on for the day if they wanted to. Mm. So I was there in a luchador mask because my character's obsessed with wrestling and uh, Dermot was there in my dad's overalls because he used to play the petrol pump man. Natch. Yes. Uh, and so we were waiting there in costume and everyone else was in their costumes all running around screaming shouting all sorts of stuff. Even though we picked a corner that was well away from everyone else we were still assaulted with conversation. <laughs> and I, I know and it's, I don't want to sound mean I know they're just being nice mm. but you can't escape the feeling that they're just talking to because they're trying to figure out who they should talk to. Yeah, and there's a really yeah. like, sycophantic cutthroat undercurrent to That's what happens at those well, schmooze fests. For, they're just trying to get on the call for the next episode of Line of Duty, mm. thanks to their stellar performance in Vagina, which is a play that's on in there. Vagina? It, Vagina. It's spelled V-A-G-U-Y-N-A. And it's six, it's six men playing the different parts of the female reproductive system. That's going to be insightful and not reductive at all. Mm. I can be sure of that. Mm. But this is the thing. So, I... I didn't need to be told by a man dressed as Walter the Softy in crinkle-cut khakis and a torn blue jumper that playing the antagonistic role in an apocalyptic Beano-town scenario was, and I quote, incredibly challenging but immensely rewarding once I unpacked it. And yet, there I was. 
He was then pulled away by a one-armed, blood-drenched Minnie the Minx who said, Liam, quickly, they've brought out the cocktail sausages. <laughs> so our photo call time came, mm. got the photo, and we left as quick as we could. We went over you to... hightailed it out of there. And we went along to the International Bar upstairs, which is where we've been rehearsing, which is nice. Davey has like unlimited access to that, which is great. And mm. It's daily to be there. It's the home Irish comedy. It's the longest-running comedy club in Ireland. All the big boys cut their teeth there. I cut my finger there because of the splinters. And... Uh, that was a fucking shite gag. I was out there <laughs> just riffing there. Yeah, and so we had to go back then for the actual ribbon-cutting, glass-clinking, drinky-poos thing afterwards. Mm. We went back over, slumped in, stood at the back while they all said, and here we are, and it's official launch, and great now, okay, so the bar is open. And everyone enjoy yourselves, and there's food knocking around and all that. And the bar was immediately ravaged by the Bash Street kids in camouflage. I noticed an innocent jug of water on the side of the bar mm. and thought, that's a bit of me. Not doing anybody any harm. Never did. Mind some of that. So I went over anyway, and there was a few glasses knocking around. Poured glasses of water in for me and Dermot and, and Dave and uh, Dermot's girlfriend, Shauna. Mm. So back over the four glasses, and I took a sip, and then I went, oh, go, there's something up with that water. And I thought maybe I'd got a dirty glass that had a bit of like alcohol or something left in the bottom of it. Mm. But then they all said, oh, no, that water did taste a bit odd. So I went back over to the barman and said, there's something up with the water, it tastes a bit odd. And he goes, yeah, it's pomegranate infused. Such was the pretentiousness of this place that even the default beverage was pretentious. What a thing to infuse it with. With the assumption that everyone there is going to want... Not a bit of lemon or ice or... Ice. (laughs) This water is infused with ice. This water used to be ice. So I went to the toilet and filled up from the sink. Now, thankfully, they hadn't tampered with the mains. The, <laughs> the, the tap water didn't have gooseberries in it. The bowl water it didn't have fucking cloves in it either as well. Just it was just flu- good old-fashioned fluoride <laughs> <in the> food. <laughs> just fluoride and feces for me, thank you. <laughs> I should have said feces, I was going to say fluoride and poo, but the alliteration is nice. But the play is going to be fun, and it's on my birthday as well, the 20th and 21st of February. I don't have two birthdays. It's on the 20th. <laughs> the next day is... So it's on your birthdays, it's a year apart. Two performances. <laughs> But it's, it's been interesting. I've never been in a play before, so other than obviously my stellar performance as young Scrooge. Of course, how did we? Carol. I like. Well, I don't think I've ever let anybody forget that. So I played young Scrooge in a play in two thousand and six. Uh, I I played young Scrooge, and Dad played old Scrooge, mm. which was perfect casting mm. on the part of my dad, who was the casting director as well. <laughs> and just Dad absolutely cackballing it on the stage. Mm. The poor man. That no, that that adaptation though had a profound effect. <laughs> On, on this young theatre goer well I know the feeling because I was in a play when I was very little and I had the very last line where everyone goes off the stage mm. and I come back on, on and I say something it was meant to be I don't know like you know I guess ghosts are real after all because it was about ghosts and mm. I pushed me on the stage and I shit myself and I just went uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing came out and because and the the, the drama group was run by my mother and my two aunties nice. right so and usually if a child comes back out and after making a mistake he goes okay it's fine but this was family they gave me such a ball <laughs> <laughs> nice sometimes um, you recorded an album I did record an album Go on, talk uh, about Music City I think in the last don't say shout out to the lads please <laughs> <laughs> well I did say I was looking forward to meeting them and uh, I have subsequently met them they're a great bunch of lads what, uh, what was the lineup? Well, it was uh, myself on drums, uh, surprisingly enough. Keen Nugent, uh, singer-songwriter, member of band number ones, you know, all-round good guy on bass. And uh, Connor Lumsden was the 
mastermind behind the whole thing. He had Music City as his project. I'm not going to shout any ease out, lads. Just we had a great time, great, uh, great day. Zzz. Connor asked me. He was like, "Would you would would you mind playing bass and album?" Mm. And I had to obviously for work. I couldn't I couldn't commit to it full time. Yeah. It was a shame, and I was very upset to not do it. But I did. I called up on the last day. Mm. <laughs> you can't you can't umbut a thing all the time. Oh, I know. No, no, no at the start you, of this, you, I, you I, were like umming the, like a call. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I've been thinking about it. I'm going. I've been doing the mm a lot at the minute. Yeah. No, just, 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 just be natural. Just kind of to. Yeah, exactly. yeah, so I went up on the last day and was mm. able to introduce the lad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I went up on the last day and um, was introduced around. I hadn't. I obviously knew. Yes. I hadn't. Recording Sonic Studios uh, with Dan Fox of Girl Band Producing. Was Fox his surname? Yeah. I went up with a care package of snacks, a care snackage, mm. and I tried to get the most sort of power pop foods I could find. Obviously, the, the number ones and Connor. He's, he's, he's me and Connor bonded over mutual love of like reckless Eric and things like that. Mm. At a Frankie Cosmos gig about two years ago, and that's how he ended up knowing you. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I went up. I bought like prawn cocktail. Pringles, mm-hmm. dairy milk with crunchy in it. That felt pretty Ooh, power poppy. Yeah. Uh, some fizzy pick and mix and things like that. So I thought that'll do them on some hot. Does, does that mean there's other like heavy metal snacks? And Definitely. I feel like a uh, mint arrow is quite a heavy metal <laughs> chocolate. Heavy metal band from Navin. So I went in there and as I hadn't uh, introduced Ryan, everyone seemed like all seemed like thoroughly nice chaps. Uh, Al as well, the guitarist from Australia. Yes, um, uh, from the band Dick Diver. I went in and he said hello, and it was just nice to meet them and all that. Such was the obsession with power pop people in the room everyone mm. there was like a, it was a massive denizen yeah. of the genre that there was a Todd Rundgren book Todd Rundgren book called A Wizard and so, as I said such was, such was the sort of the preoccupation of power pop in the room that I couldn't tell who'd brought the book in somebody had got it for Christmas but who and I couldn't figure it out and that's normally that's a good measure for the kind of room that I should be in mm. and this is the thing you were involved in something that I'm sure I'm sure Big Star were brought up almost hourly mm. Teenage Fan Club mentioned almost every 20 minutes mm. you know this is the type of room that I should have been in the equivalent for you would, would be if I was at the table read for the caves of Androzani <laughs> <laughs> went in on the last day and, and was just enjoying sitting around you know watching news record was chatting away to Dan from Girlband about our respective indie label major label Agro uh, exactly <laughs> then uh, Al the guitarist from Australia decided to drop the bomb at 8 o'clock that he had to leave at quarter past 8 to get a flight mm. uh, so I dropped him to the airport and then came back to be asked to play on the recording which was which was quite nice mm. uh, on guitar as well which I wasn't really prepped for but I made a fist of it which is a horrible way to play the guitar <laughs> So that was, that, was, that was what you did. Yeah, that's what I did. What have you been up to, Matt? I've been up to nothing um, that is podcast worthy. You went to Galway? Yep, I did. I went to Galway and I ate food and drank some drinks and walked about. More than I did. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Great. I'm mm. boring. Uh, issue 5 of Cro-Magnon went out. It did. Uh, one of our proprietors shut down, unfortunately. Oh no. Kilo Vintage is gone. Ah well, oh, fuck wow. them anyway. No, <laughs> I, the way I do the drops is I go to Rage Records first, because Darren in there is nice and I like going in there first. I don't feel as intimidated going in there. Mm-hmm. Then it's Tara Records, mm-hmm. the next stop after that. Uh, Ethan is in there, who we know. Actually, he returned the three boxes that I thought Tara Records had got rid of. Oh nice. Oh, very nice good. one, yes. Yeah, so we have them back. And then That's good. went along to Kilo Vintage, the second-hand shop. Uh, went in only to find that the shop was entirely closed down. Oh. Well, that's okay then. And I was looking there going, there's a, there's a painted mushroom box in there with my paint on it. Rightfully yours. It's mine. You paid for that paint. Paid for the grapes. I put up with the laxative skids <laughs> having eaten all the grapes and it's just, just sitting in there. I tried to centre then after that. That stopped in there as well. Four down to three, which is not too bad. And yeah, in other news, uh, Terry Jones uh, died. Yeah. And I've been watching sort of Monty Python stuff then as a result after that. I, and I do every two or three years I go back to watching loads of Monty Python stuff. Of course. The, 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 the deadly joke in the first Oh yeah, episode. the joke that kills people. Yeah, joke, yeah. The, the weaponized oh, joke. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't hear it said in English, but you hear it said in German. Mm. And I was like, I really want to find out what this is. This is 
very, very cool. If you copy the German text of it, I'm going to put it into Google Translate. Now, you watch me, I'm going to put in the text mm -hmm. of the German joke that kills people and no one yeah. has ever been able to read and sketch ends with someone going, we still don't know what the joke is. Totally. You know? If you put it in, that comes up. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, it what? Says, for everyone at home, it says fatal error. Bizarre. So Google is in on the joke. That's they won't translate really, it. That's incredible. Isn't that fantastic? That's actually brilliant. We've had our we've had multiple run-ins with Pythons down through the years. Members we have, of Monty, we, have we um, big big Monty Python fans and big fans of all the things they've done outside of. Clearly, that's what we're talking about. Mm. Mm. So one of our very early appearances on Irish television on the Late Late Show, uh, Michael Palin was a guest on it as well, and we got mm. a photo with him in the hallway, and uh, the flash was on the camera, and uh, he said, "Hopefully that'll obliterate my wrinkles or wrinkle my obliterates." How we laughed. We swooned. And then we also were on a French TV show called Canal Plus, I believe, and Eric Idle was a guest on that as well. And he had left in his car by the time we happened to say to our, the woman that was working with us that day, oh, we'd love to meet Eric Idle. So they went out and got him. Yeah. Said, would you mind coming back? There's some lads here who want to say hello to you. Mm. And he very dutifully came back in and said hello, which was very nice. For that him. was a particularly yeah. weird one because we saw him do a sketch show in French. In French. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know he could speak French. The Acting laugh track and everything. I don't think I still know. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure at some point we'll run, in, we'll, we'll run into John Cleese and he will say... Ow, why did you run into me? <laughs> and oh, final bit of recapage is a uh, Rocketman won big at the Golden Globes. Oh, it did. And we appeared on the screen at the Golden Globes. Hells yes. We spoke at the Golden Globes. Fucking damn straight. De Niro saw that. Mm. Uh, he wasn't the only one there. Um, <laughs> DiCaprio and other Diz as well. Yeah. Uh, but sadly, we've been Oscar snubbed. Joker's just mm. going to sweep the rest of them. We had high hopes that Joker or that. Rocketman was going to do some business at a lot of awards and then Joker came out and everyone went oh fuck that's like best male lead gone Yeah, yeah. why couldn't we have been Joker's back in band exactly the bit where he's in the comedy club we could have been there could have been there brilliant okay and that's it for the recap there's no jingle for this bit we're going to go straight into work farce I hit the floor there we're going to go straight into work farce I keep doing a noise thing on the... we're going to go straight into oh. we're going to go straight into work farce This is work farce uh, where I just give you instances of me being bad at my job. Now yeah. I still I still work in Duns, mm. and after this, we're going to wonder why. <laughs> now I thought I thought that my ineptitudes and failings were largely flying under the radar, <laughs> or at least were falling on sympathetic eyes and ears. Yeah. Turns out they are not. A member of staff told me I'm going to keep names out of this. Okay. A member of staff told me that uh, they were in a conversation with another member of staff who remarked, as I was off doing a few jobs, that I was, this is a quote, fucking useless and should have stuck with the drums. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And, and with that, Duns has broken me. I, was, I had done five late shifts in a row, which all ended around 11 or 12, and then was on an early shift one of the days. And this was, this was after a brutal week. We'd been rehearsing ourselves band-wise. Mm. I, we'd, I'd got an episode of the podcast out I'd done an issue I, I'd also been rehearsed with the play as well so it was a mad busy Spread week Spread yourself thin doesn't go there And the last day of the week I was doing a, an early shift it was a 6am start I'm going to go 6 to 2 right so it meant I had to be in for about half 5 or so It was and it was brutal it was cold I was absolutely knackered and when Dana had, you had to cook bread in the morning for the rolls and that for the mm -hmm. afternoon so when Dana and I had to go out to the freezer to get it and such was my levels of exhaustion and delusion and delirium and all that that I picked up this brown roll, looked at it, and then sang to myself, Don't you forget about me. <laughs> See, now that's the reaction it should have got. 
I lost it in the freezer. <laughs> I stood there cackling away to myself, looking, and every time I'd, I'd stop and go to the street, I'd look at the baguette and go, <laughs> Till a woman from the bakery came in and said, Peter, what are you doing? Get out. And then throughout the rest of the day, I would go, <laughs> baguette of it. <laughs> Not on the same day, but a week or so ago, uh, uh, you, I, obviously I wear like a little a frock thing and then an apron. Yeah. A long apron because you're working with food and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I was busting for a wee, mm. legged it up the stairs, uh, into the toilet and just started pissing. And I was going, oh, great, thank God I got here. And then was, the noise of the piss hitting the water was really erratic. <laughs> what the fuck's going to... I looked at I hadn't pulled the apron up. And was pissing against the back of the apron. That's rotten. Yeah, so. Oh, sweet Jesus. I just turned it inside out and those grand, so it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> you used it to dry your hands and then went back to touching uh, raw meat. Uh, if the Smock Alley can hand out pomegranate infused water, I can hand out piss infused ham. I was pulling a little small tray of oil out of the bottom of a cooker. Some oil dribbled out onto the floor and I went, oh, let's be proactive. And I got a mop and bucket, filled up a mop with, because always very hard to get up, filled up a mop with like hot soapy water, mop and bucket, and was bringing it back out. And as I opened the door to go back out behind the hot bar where the oil was, I slipped on a bit of the oil, and my foot flew like a pendulum into the side of the bucket, sending it flying across the floor, toppling over, and then the water, in a very shrewd move, spread itself incredibly quickly all over the floor. <laughs> thankfully stopping at the wall joints, which was great. Mm. Like the, the, the chances of it filling the shape that is coincidentally the shape of the hot bar was mental. <laughs> Uh, now, I decided to not panic, but then realised that I don't have that kind of executive power over myself, and panicked. As the water and oil was now forming together in this thick paste on the floor, they had to close the hot bar for 20 minutes while I mopped all this sort of stuff up. And the boss came down and said, Jesus, Peter, what? are you okay? Like, and I said, I'm really sorry about it. I just, I slipped. I slipped on the oil and then kicked the bucket and he went, oh, you slipped? And I said, yeah. He went, oh, because it looked like in the cameras you just walked in and just kicked it over in rage. <laughs> and he said, the cameraman had said, like, come over here, that new lad or something up with him. Right? <laughs> and then, this was about two weeks ago, two women come in looking for four slices of Carol's crumbed ham. Yeah. Now, I don't trust anyone who gets anything less than six slices. Mm. So what can you do with four? People come in buying one slice of ham and sometimes it could cost 17 cent. It makes no sense. Uh, but anyway, they came in asking for four slices of ham and as I was preparing it, I could hear them talking, they were like, they weren't, they weren't from Ireland, they were from some part of Europe. Uh, and it sounded like it was French to me, right? And Duns encourages you to like engage the customer and talk away and chat and things like that. So I leaned back and said, oh, what bit of France are you from? And they said, oh, we're Czechoslovakian. And then refused to take the ham. They left without their ham. International their, incident. Their disgust and repugnation had sated them. It had fed them. They were no longer <laughs> hungry. Uh, and then another yeah, is food when you've got hate. Uh, it sustains you. Mm. Over Christmas, uh, an old man came in and said, "I would like two slices of the cranberry and apricot stuffed glazed ham, mm-hmm. thinly sliced." As you do. So again, we have a slicer. You can cut them really thin, and you sort of if they if they specify a thickness, you kind of you cut a slice, you show to them and say, "Is that the thickness you want?" And they go, "Yeah," and you go, "Brilliant," and you cut some more and you give it to them. So I cut a slice, went over and said, "Now, does that is that is that how thick you want?" And he said, "Oh, I can't see it." And I went, oh, sorry. And then leaned like right into his, right into his maw. Was going, can, can you, is that all right? And then he said, no, I can't see. And then held up a white cane. Oh, good God. Oh, you idiot. He was blind. <laughs> two of the members of staff looking at either side going, Peter, 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 that's the blind man that comes in and gets two slices of cranberry and apricot ham. You should know this. <laughs> on, on a nicer note, mm-hmm. we all remember the backwards disaster, no, no pizza disaster. Oh, yes. Yeah, famed. 
I have since had two people come up to me, one a member of staff in there who works in the drapery and another customer come up and say, you make the best pizzas wow. in Duns. Wow. So there's an arc. Wow. That's <laughs> I, a real turnaround for you. A, a huge turnaround. Yeah. Like I turned the original pizza around. Yeah, so for people who don't know, uh, in the first episode, I believe it was the first episode or second episode? It was early doors. Early doors. I just made an absolute mess of a pizza for someone and uh, it was reported to numerous people that it was yeah. terrible. And since then, I'm now the best one in there. Fuck them. So I've brought in a little thing from work. Don't look at the lunchbox yet. Don't ever look at it until I tell you. I brought in a lunchbox. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a show and tell thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I brought this in. You kept us on tender hooks yeah, the entire I time. I came in earlier on today, I put the lunchbox there and said, don't look at that and don't smell it. The Please. smell thing got me because... It is an organic thing. Okay. It's organic matter. Now this was in work and it was get it was being got rid of and I said, could I have that please? And they said, why? I don't like the sound of no. this. I took it home with me and okay. it's, been in, it's been in my freezer for about a week. Oh yeah, I was about to ask how many days has this been in the lunchbox? <sighs> okay, I'm going to present the lunchbox now. If this is a severed head, I'm going to be very angry. <laughs> now, okay, the lunchbox being unclicked, the lid has been removed, tissue has been folded back. Oh what my good God, Pete. is that? <laughs> It is a severed head. It's an it's actual severed, severed head. I'm not. It's a fish. Okay. Oh, I. I know. It's, oh, I'm not it's gonna, all I'm, coming to get. Oh, I'm I can not see gonna, it now. I'm not going to tell you what fish it is because I want whoever's listening to this to go. What are they looking at? That's right. Absolutely it's absolutely shit, disgusting. Yeah. Right. So you can see the eyes there. Yeah. Like, oh, you're touching. No, it. Pete, you're don't touch it. it. Look at its mouth. It's got teeth. Oh, oh, fuck. How do you think I got it in the box? Of course, I touched it. I had to pick it up out of the ice box. Yeah, no, but I had to work. I had to carry it home with me. I didn't have a lunchbox in there. Get over yourself. I know it's disgusting. <laughs> you're holding it while you're driving home. <laughs> uh, this is rancid, isn't it? That's, that that's is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. That is pretty horrific. Do you want to give a smile? No, thanks. No. Fine with the... I'm fine with like... Oh, well. oh I don't think... Oh, no. I uh, think it's safe to say I don't want a bit of that. Uh, now, this, this is what they call a display fish. They send these in. You can't sell these. There's no meat on this. Mm. They just send them in and go, put that on the display, make it look nice. This is meant... To look good. This is meant to entice people to buy fish to then cook and eat. Good lord. Pete. It's indescribable you, you how this looks. asked looked. people, can I bring this home? Yeah. They're, uh, they think you're insane. They do. <laughs> sorry to say to you. That's, oh, Pete, the sound of that. <laughs> that's its throat. Oh, no, really? Wait, it's got teeth back in its throat. That's yeah, so weird. Yeah, fish are like that. Fish are yeah. fucked like that. <laughs> Fish are fucked. Like there's there's its neck joints. Oh, I can get the smell now. Sorry. It's got a highly fecal appearance, which really, like I didn't know, as, as the as the tissue was being folded back, I was like, what the hell have we gotten ourselves into agreeing to do this podcast at all? <laughs> now, anyone at home, with all those little kind of minor descriptive clues, try and guess what the fish was that Pete brought in today. Oh my God. Pete, this better not become a thing. <laughs> this... What body part is it? You know what's really annoying me is the fact that I'm really hungry and my stomach's rumbling and that is in front of me at the same time. It's not a good feeling. Wow. And uh, oh yeah, put it beside me. That's grand. Sorry. There was a harrowing and complex range of emotions felt there. Uh, and with that, with a nice disgusting end to work farce. We're going to move on to... <laughs> <laughs> This is the hit the okay. lamp section of the show. <laughs> this is the punch the lamp. We take a syllable each, maybe. It's only two syllables. There's four. Okay. Son. Say. No. Son. <laughs> ne. Son. Go again. <laughs> There's going to be C in the second. Yes. Son. Nick. Sec. Uns. Would it be sec or sec? Uns. Sec. 
Ons. It's Sonic Seconds! We have to like, try and describe it really briefly yeah. for, the, for the newcomers, but you don't, you don't want to bore the oldcomers. Exactly. Yeah. This, is Sonic seconds. this is Sonic Seconds, where we just play two or three seconds from a song that we think makes the track. Take it away, Ross. Oh, well, thanks for volunteering me, Evan. Oh, actually, before we move on, another bit of recap news. Zen Arcade got an email. Oh, my God, our first email. <laughs> from Sarah. Nice. Sarah says, Hi, zenarcadeband.gmail.com. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say that either. Did say that. Sorry. Said, I found your detail on Google and I have looked at website and realised your website is great design, but your website ranking no good at all. <laughs> Search engine Google, AOL, Yahoo, Bing. Do you want more targeted visitor on website? We can place your website on Google first page, Yahoo, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, etc. And then what's supposed to be a smiley face, but it's just a full stop, a bracket. And another full stop. <laughs> May I send you quote, if interested, thanks and regards, Sarah. I think Sarah has our best interests at heart. I think so. I think we should send her whatever money she needs. Yeah. Wait, Ross, you going first for some seconds? I think so. I may not have it right on, because right on. Right on, man. Fight the power. No, all right. It's this. Say, ma'am. What's that you're selling? <laughs> That bit, it it does not sound how he looks. No, if you, if you totally understand right. me. Give it, tell us what the track is and that is all that. Watermelon Man by Manfred Mann. Originally didn't didn't have lyrics. Yes, but they just decided to put it on. I remember there was a there was a day felt like it might have been a Sunday, about ten years ago, where we listened to that on repeat. Yeah, we have a lot of a lot of history with this Sonic Second. It's a fantastic noise. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, it just doesn't suit Paul Jones at all to make that sort of noise. Interesting tidbit uh, on the really famous Monty Python Life of Brian debate with Malcolm Muggeridge and yeah. Bishop. Right at the very end, they go, right, well, that's quite enough time now I had debating the existence of God and whether this film is offensive or not. Here's Paul Jones and the blues band with Boom Boom, Out Go the Lights. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, yeah, it just I've, turns up at the end, it's a bit mad. It's gas. What, why don't you listen to that? Um, I was thinking of Sonic Seconds and I was going to put The Start of I'll Go Crazy by the Moody Blues. Oh. Uh, and he, he, do, he hits a ridiculous amount of notes in mm. half a second. I know which one you yeah. And uh, I don't know, don't play it, I don't know it. Oh yeah, I'll play it. But it, it, it got me thinking about the 60s <laughs> of, of songs that I listened to at that time. Another song that to us and us only screams 2012. I'll go crazy. Yeah. P- pinch him against the wall and just shoves 2012 down your throat. And I'll be right. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I do remember young, that. Young Denny. Oh. It is an incredible skill. Uh, he did then turn into an arsehole in wings. <laughs> <laughs> Who didn't? And all... all <laughs> I'll go next. Uh, my one comes from the Man Mountain. My MCM Times Infinity, which sounds for <laughs> Man Crush Monday. Oh, not, nice, not, nice. Not the film company. Nice. That's MGM. <laughs> is MCM a thing? Pro- MCA is a thing. MCA. MCR is a thing. They're, uh, they're back? Yeah. MCM. CCR is a thing. MCM Worldwide is a leather luxury goods brand. Not, not to do with me. This is another thing. Okay, so before we move on, 
I had a weird revelation about Mars bars. I always thought, why did they just pick a planet that sounded cool? And then mm. I thought, oh no, it's because of bars. I thought, oh no, it's because it's, it's Marzipan is the thing that's in Mars that makes it a Mars bar. And I went, oh, fuck it, of course, Marzipan makes Mars bars. Mm. And then I, I did just a tiny bit of research and found that it was a man called, I think it's Joseph Mars made the bars. Oh. And Marzipan isn't what I thought it was at all. <laughs> okay, so I was totally okay. nougat, is it? There. Yeah, now, no will, you, will you tell me what Marzipan actually is? I'm just going to look up Mars bar. And so then why is Mars called Mars the planet then? What does that have to do with Marzipan? Sorry, it was the man The man who made Mars bar was called Forest Mars. I thought it came from Marzipan. Mm. Uh, the planet Mars is just named... It's named after, that's the Greek god of war, I think, is Mars. Oh, it is Mars bringers of war. Uh, and Marzipan then is... Um, it seems to just be... White logs. Marzipan is a, <laughs> is a confection consisting primarily of sugar or honey and almond meal. It's just soft shit they put in other soft shit. Oh yes, I know that stuff. It's disgusting. Brilliant. Okay, so my Sonic Seconds comes from my MCM, which is Huey Lewis. Of course. Of course. Do you want to try and guess the song? Oh, the Heart of Rock and Roll. Oh, you saw it on the sheet of paper. No, I didn't. You didn't. No, no, no. I'm just assuming. I just guessed. Oh, brilliant. That's a good guess. I just know you. There could have been 90 guesses there. Yeah. So, Heart of Rock and Roll is a track that they do. I don't know if it was a single, I don't think it was. It was on their album Sports, their mm. breakthrough album. A lot of folks would have heard it back in the day. Back in the day. In 1983, Huey Lewis sold 10 million albums rivaling Michael Jackson, which is something they mentioned in his VH1 behind the music thing. That sounds really impressive. I looked it up. Michael Jackson didn't have an album out that year. That, <laughs> that was just his like latent sales, keeping him taking along. For some reason, all the tracks on Spotify for Sports are listed as explicit, E for explicit. <laughs> what? <laughs> They're not. That's really funny. Nice uh, to see bad is bad on this. Is on it's the not good to see that bad is bad is on this. No, album. but it's it's interesting because it also features on the Dave Evans album, where it's also not good to see that it's on the track list. And it's just nice that nice that Huey actually did it himself. So this track's called "The Heart of Rock and Roll." It's it's up there with their big ones. I don't think it was a single. I haven't really looked up about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not one of the biggies. though. it's not like "Back in Time" or "Power of Love" or "One a New Drug" or yeah. "Have to Be Square." But this is what they like to call deep Huey. <laughs> uh, hard rock and roll it's a, it's a song that came out of they were they were touring around one time they were disenfranchised by rock and roll at the time despite them being one of the reasons rock and roll was dying <laughs> uh, they did a great gig in Cleveland so Huey says they got back in the tour bus and said guys the harder rock and roll is in Cleveland and then the song came out of this I hasten to say that probably isn't true yeah. But the line is in the song. And then the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in Cleveland now, by coincidence. Maybe the Heart of Rock and Roll is in Cleveland. Maybe it fucking is. Okay. The Hugh Lewis in the News, I think I've earned the title, and it wouldn't even need to earn, they would just be given it automatically, the title of the whitest band on the planet in history. They are crackers. The, if you want to sum up crispy white lad music, something with no edge, but a whole lot of charm, this is what it sounds like. That's round because of the lack of edge. Yeah, <laughs> there's some hardline identity politics being played in that music. He goes to this. So this is a track where again it talks about the hard rock and roll is still beating. It's in it's in everywhere. It's it's all over the place. You know, and he starts d- listing loads of towns: Seattle, San Francisco, to New York, New York. But he he puts a, a sort of like a, a salacious edge to it. So much so that I think they should have just called the track "Root Sexy Sex." <laughs> <laughs> All dressed so scantily. Hmm. All neon, neon lights and the pretty pretty girls all dressed so scantily. Live, he changes that to sexily. Nice. Which, is, which is another word that doesn't really fit. Now, the, <laughs> the last chorus does this. Hey. 
hell yeah. That's just fucking brilliant. It's like the heart attack, ack, ack. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, Huey Lewis can do no wrong in my eyes, uh, other than obviously growing old and not being able to sing anymore. Not his fault. And he can only do wrong in everyone else's eyes. 10 million albums in 1983, like, <laughs> almost the same with Michael Jackson. You can't argue with stats, man. And uh, Ev, your Sonic Seconds. My Sonic Second, a uh, bit of a random one. <laughs> but, uh, oh, really, is the move? No, fuck me. No, it's a. Uh, <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's Ty Siegel covering the damned and the side of the who, actually. No, it's a. Uh, <laughs> It's a. Uh, it is uh, from Runaway by Del Shannon. Uh, this this song has figured prominently in our lives in the last while due to um, that absolutely piss yourself funny cover of it by the overtones of the Late Late Show. I, I would say circa twenty fifteen sixteen. If you if you take it back to the original by Del Shannon from the fifties, I think this has actually been a sonic second of mine before I was able to process the concept of a sonic second or it was ever articulated between any of us okay. as we kick into the chorus we start off on a nice little kind of like mysterious A minor type intro but then it explodes as it, the song reveals itself through the chorus this happens I think that's a really nice vocal bit but the rawness of his vocal the kind of like oh, heartbreaking 50s melody of it the way it comes along after what's already happened it like is a really like big lift moment it's a cool track because it has this uh, nice kind of 50s -y mood and also, but also combines kind of like groundbreaking experimental for the time and also piss your pants funny uh, keyboard solo <laughs> brilliant no I did the cadence that is very cool that's not what I thought it was going to be but yeah, yeah. That's, that's great brilliant uh, and that concludes this episode's Sonic Seconds Sonic Seconds! <laughs> this is never mind the fuzz box. That's gonna be like a door creaking. That wasn't yeah. a door, that was me creaking. This is never mind the fuzz box. Uh, we've wired a mic into a fuzz box. We've got headphones on the other two people. One person's going to sing their riff into it, and you have to try and guess what it is. Uh, yeah, we're going to put this up online. We're going to film each other doing ours, put them up online, and wow. get, get people at home to try and guess. And then in the next episode, we'll see if they were right. All right, I'll go first. Jesus Christ. Just play the song. Play the song called Little Town Flirt. Yeah. The blues yeah. are still blue. My bells are bastion. Yes, it was. You got it right. Yeah, I could see the looks of confusion were harrowing there on you. <laughs> Alright, who's up next? I'll go next. Yeah, you Now I've picked this one because it might it might be really easy, but it might sound like a fucking mess as well. Crouch is being maintained, which is nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Give the title of the artist. We split it. Fucking explaining. It's, it's, it's let, me it. let me roll it. Let me roll. 
Do it at the exact same time. One, two, three. <laughs> Let, Let me roll, roll it. it. <laughs> Wings. Let me roll it. Yeah. We should probably start keeping score. I would like to know. Oh yeah, who's winning? If this We've kind of <laughs> fucked our chances of being able to do that. Here I go. <laughs> Rendered in my in my usual unintelligible style. I haven't the foggiest clue. It's really foggy. It's a yellow weather warning. It's, you people that know me, it's an incredibly cliched choice. Oh, really? But, but see, Evan, Brendan through the fuzz box, it's quite confusing. Yeah, yeah. I, I genuinely don't know. I can't even listen back, sing a bit of it back to myself. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Wait, no. That just sounds the like cannonball with the breeders. No, no, no. I, I, not a clue. No. You, you've cracked, you give up. No, when we said no there, we meant no, we're going to keep guessing. Okay. No, we don't know. <laughs> what is it? It was uh, Lost Woman with the Airbirds. Uh, uh, it's even. It's just as... I can't, I wouldn't even have got it there and you told me what it was. <laughs> I, still, I still don't know what that song is. Dum 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 The Rivoli riff. Yeah. Oh, that's the, fuck, that's that's the only riff we ever played ever uh, on the Rivoli. Uh, 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 <laughs> oh, I'm a fool. Again, if 2012 was in riff form... Yeah, no, you're totally right. I should, I should have got that. But yes, that concludes this episode's. Never mind. The is it? Is, I'm trying to sort of what would the nicknames be for these sections? Would you call it Never Mind or would you call it Fuzz? I feel like you'd call it Fuzzbox. Fuzz would be the smart thing to do. Yes. Or mind the mind. The. Well, that that concludes. I don't like saying that concludes. Uh, that concludes. <laughs> Never mind the Fuzzbox. Um, I am bursting for a wee. Okay, okay. where you go. Away we go now to your... As I sit back down, was your wee nice? It was refreshing. Away we go now to yours, mine and archive. If I never see it written down, I always read it now. It's yours, mine, and Archive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, this is the segment of the show where we play an old demo from the archives. A play on the phrase, yours, mine, and ours. The very successful Dennis Quaid. The mildly successful Dennis Quaid and Rene Russo rip-off of Cheap by the Dozen, yours, mine, and ours. With Drake mm. Bell in it. Nice. This, so I, I don't write from experience mm-hmm. in terms of writing songs. I don't, I've ever written about it. it hasn't happened to me. Except for this one song. You let your imagination run riot normally. End a joker. That's my head when I'm writing songs. <laughs> but this, I did write this from experience. Two. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, that's a song. So I was, on, and that, that genuinely happened. I was on a bus, got on the bus, sat in the sort of, quite close to the front. It was an airport shuttle bus. I, was, I think I was flying, I don't know if I was flying home or flying out somewhere, uh, very early in the morning. And a woman got on and tried to put her bag up on the carriage thing. Yes. It then sort of fell back at her, hit the floor, and shit went everywhere. <laughs> I was looking at this, going, someone... Someone needs to help that poor woman. That's shocking. No one's going to help her. That is that is ridiculous. <laughs> it's a, it's a weird psychological yeah. thing that when there's people around, you assume someone's going to help, and so you yeah, don't. Yeah. You're more you're more likely to die in a crowd of people if you're having a heart attack than if there's one person there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was sitting there going, "Someone needs to, that is fucking shocking." That no one here would help that poor woman. And so then I was looking at the window, like, you know, going, "This is absolutely ridiculous. The people wouldn't help this poor woman. That's stupid. My God." And then she walked by, and gave me a really dirty look. I was like, what the fuck's wrong with her? And I looked round to the rest of the bus to be like, what's her fucking problem? And there was no one there. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> there was no one there at all. That shit's cold. This is what it's like when I write from experience. Give me this. That was Pete asking for the guitar without asking for the guitar. I tried to hand some ham to a blind man. I bought a fish from work. He said, don't tell me. What you're gonna do to it? <laughs> it's gonna sit in my freezer for a week. I'm gonna bring it to my friends and make their knees go weak. Bit of a cheap ride. <laughs> but considering this is on the fly. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. That's pretty good. But it seems what happens is when you do write from experience, people find it too hard to relate to. <laughs> Done stores. It's not good for rhyme. It takes up all my times. Right? Did I say rhyme or rhymes? He's a rhymes. There you go. Give me this. Oh yeah, of course. That leads perfectly now into Ross Farley's a corner Ross Farley's acoustic corner. I did. I don't want to do the intro for that. Someone else do the intro for that. Ever you do one? You haven't done one yet. Okay. You're lazy so and so. Okay. What Batman quote? Don't do a Batman quote. Uh, Spider-Man quote. You know how much I sacrificed. <laughs> this is Ross Farley's acoustic You may find this weird that I haven't figured out what I'm playing yet. Still, Some, I'm here. The lack of uh, once a month, I send a text that says, "Hey, can you have these bits ready in a week, please?" <laughs> and do I? Never. Never. I can rely on you to let me down. Oh, thanks, Pete. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, and it might not work. And if it doesn't work, I'll do something else. I'm amazing. Your problem-solving skills are top-notch as always. Slaughter. Oh, I thought it might.
must be love all your sons and daughters in a stranglehold with a kid glove she's got eyes like saucers oh you think she's a dish she is the blue chip that belongs to the big fish but it's easier to say i love you then you're sincerely, I suppose All little sisters Like to try on big sisters' clothes Big sisters' clothes The sport of kings, the old queen's heart The prince of darkness who stole some tart It's in the papers, it's in the charts Under grisly garments With all the style and finesse Of a purchase of armaments The passion went out of fashion That's all your concern meant Sweat it out for 30 seconds on home improvements But it's easier to say I love you then you're sincerely, I suppose All little sisters Like to try on big sisters' clothes Big sisters' clothes Big sisters' clothes Big sisters' clothes Thanks for ruining everything, Pete. You ruin everything. You always do this. <laughs> that was really good. I helped you scroll. You uh, did. You helped me scroll. And, I, and I'm grateful forever. Oh, shit. <laughs> I also realised I said grateful forever, not forever grateful. Forever young, I wanna be. Do that song. No, no I one knows that song. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard that? <laughs> did you be like, forever? Do you know what I'm doing there? <laughs> <laughs> that was Big Sister's Clothes by Elvis Costello, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, first time. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Yeah, first that's, time. That's, that's on trust, isn't it? It is on trust. What's is it on? the closing track? It is. Pete, you're just whacking out these facts. fire today. Brilliant. He that, that plays is every song. instrument on it. I, no way. Yeah. Oh, is that why it sounds like absolute <laughs> shit? You played every track on that there. I did, actually, yeah. yeah. That, that album opens with Clubland as well, isn't it? It does. Probably one of the strongest book-ended albums. Absolutely. And all the bit in the middle is pretty good too. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the Clubland and Big Sister's Clothes are huge Costello songs for me that I always forget about that I love. Mm -hmm. What is it? Is it like li licorice sleeve? Lace? Lace sleeves? New, 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 new lace sleeves. Licorice sleeves. New lace sleeves. That's another brilliant song as well. Song. I know he, I look at now, like, <laughs> I know he is class. <laughs> like, um, you know, Lover's Walk and Lover Walk Strict rocks. Time. That's from a whisper to a scream. Is that another song? Yeah, I'm yeah. yeah. Billy Bremner. I think could be talking ass no, there. Right. I took the title "Lovers Walk" for a long forgotten, but not by me. Stripes Deluxe Edition B side, fucked away in a corner <laughs> song called "Lovers Walk" and "Lovers Leave." Your debut. Um, that was the first song. Your 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 like your published debut. Yeah. And what happened? Thrown in my face. <laughs> that was Ross Farley's acoustic corner. Acoustic and we move on to Sid. 
didn't die. Four. Oh, I just touched my knob. <laughs> this. And you're Definitely. also taking, you know, syllabus. I didn't get one. Of them. <laughs> so I was. I just did them all and got molested for my fucking troubles. <laughs> and what, what do I get in return? Abuse. <laughs> I tried to point at each of them to like dynamically deliver the title. I ended up ever just said all of them while I pointed at each of them in turn, and then I poked his bell. <laughs> uh, this is Sid didn't die for this, where we each bring up an instance where a band did something disappointing that we didn't agree with, like Queen playing in South Africa. <laughs> Uh, you want to go first, Jeff? Yeah, I'll go first. You got poked in the dick, you gotta go first. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we decide who goes first. It's dick poking time. <clears throat> yeah. That's the thing's original catchphrase in the first edition of Fantastic Four. <laughs> run, don't come from the dick poker. Yeah, you can run, but you can't come. Let's get, let's get a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's get a coffee and hash that out. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a doer. Regain, come, <laughs> regain your composure. Anyway, when we're all nice and giddy, my Sid didn't die for this, involves two very important D's in my life. Your dick. Yeah. <laughs> and your dad's dick. <laughs> two D's. Can I go try and guess them? Yeah. Uh, Damien Digglesworth and <laughs> da Darren Duchovny. No, are they, real, are they real D's? Dr. Doolittle. T Dr. Doolittle yeah. and Dr. Strange. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Darren Brown and... Uh, <laughs> Darren Brown and... Uh, I can't think of another uh, Alan Price. Wait, he doesn't have a D. You're inc you're, <laughs> you're incredibly close with Darren Brown. We know how important Darren Brown is to me in my life. You love illusions. Yeah. Dave Evans. Yeah. And Chaz and Dave. Dave Evans and Dick and Dom. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna feel so silly when I tell you, Doctor Feelgood. <laughs> you said two Ds. I was like two men with Ds. You didn't say two corporations with Ds. I would have said like oh Dave Evans and Deezer. <laughs> if it was like companies right? Dr. Yeah, Dave Clark. Evans and Dairy Milk So D and DR dot F Very important in my life I shit on about them endlessly I've already talked about them Maybe too much in this podcast Dr. Feelgood I know I've mentioned a good few times I think the Who and Roy would still have the edge On the two of them No right? that's you too oh. 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 But In this case They let me down in a way that I can't I'm struggling I can't find the words I know exactly yeah. I was going yeah. to say I've never done anything except and then I went oh except, <laughs> except. And, and then I remembered yeah. then I remembered the segment and the went big, okay the big, the big except in this situation they've been such a such a titanic influence on everything I've done and in this case have maybe questioned my very existence with their collaboration it was around it was 83 definitely yeah, I think it was more 88, 89 oh that recent yeah <laughs> I know yeah oh. that recent 32 years ago when they collaborated on a uh, single release that was a cover of See You Later Alligator the old Bill Haley classic and they I don't know I, I want, they I want had to, a death wish they had a death wish they had a commercial death wish yeah that had been granted 15 years before this anyway no god it had been they'd so achieved their creative and commercial death wish ambitions how do you tie concrete boots to a legacy do this cover See You Later Alligator 
and use synth brass. Keyboard synth brass blaring at an unacceptable volume in your ear as a Librolo is doing the best he can to not be alive. The li I, I respect the listeners of this show. It's consistently about 200 or so. I don't trust them, if I'm honest, to go listen to this. I don't think they will. No. So should we just play it for them? Give it a little blast. Fucking hell. My heroes did that. Oh, it's despicable. You could not verbalize the level of disappointment and mm. gut-wrenching horror I feel when I think about mm. it. How, it's like, how can I put this into words? How could I possibly... Sid didn't die for this! Ah, that's how no, I would describe no, it. That's, are you ready? Sid, Sid didn't, didn't die, die for that. that. My one's pretty tame. It's just, it comes from a place of relatability for us. Like We can mm. really understand the situation that these bands are put in. Uh, it comes from They Might Be Giants. Yeah. An amazing band. Oh, very hard to describe. But a band that I was very into about a year or so ago. If I had to describe them, I would say they're like if Squeeze went to college. But they might be giants were doing a tour. They were doing very well. They just signed to Electra Records, big major label. Flood had just come out. It was huge with uh, Birdhouse and Your Soul was out. They like they were hot on the backs of like being indie starlets who were just like a two piece band. And then they were like right, we've got this huge Grammy nominated album. Blah blah blah. They were doing the rounds of the planet, and they were in Japan, and they were oh the poor lads. They were tired. Right, this, they talk about this in the documentary, and they made yeah. it sound like it was this really big, hard thing. Mm. They had a day off in Tokyo, I believe. Yeah. And the label said, oh, you're doing this sort of press thing at Universal Records. You're doing a thing, you're going to go there. It's, it's, it's a big thing, it's how you sort of schmooze the label, it's how you get on music stations, it's how you get on all this stuff. Yeah. You have to do this, like a meet and greet, say hello to all the people who are going to work for you. Yeah. And if you do that, because Japan is a country so built in respect, if you do it, you will then be rewarded with it. They'll want to work hard for you because you'd have made the effort to turn up. And it's a, and it was a very small thing they were being yeah. asked to do. We, small, unsurprising task. This is a, we, we've been in that position and we've done gone and done that. And as a result, we put in the hours, we're trying to work there and it paid dividends for us. So there was a day off of theirs being taken over for this thing. And they said, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. Don't, don't, don't make us do that. And they said, okay, we won't. And then they got off the train in Tokyo and there was a guy there saying, hello, I'm here to take you to Universal for that thing. And they said, we didn't want to do that. And he said, I was just told to come here, come with me. And they said, no, we're not getting in the car. And they went off and had their day off and saw some temples, whatever. And massively damaged their reputation with the label and the reputation with sort of like the professional music, music world in Japan. And I think it was very, very silly. You have to understand the work rate in Japan is such that you just, you don't have time off in Japan. When we've been there, we've never had a second off in Japan. Mm. And we're glad of it. Great, it's great to be busy there all the time. It's an amazing country to be busy in. Yeah. And of all the places we played in and worked in and all that, they worked the hardest. And mm. it's only right that you respect that by working as hard as they do. Oh, yeah. And it, it's, not, it's not even funny at all. I just was very disappointed here that a band that I really liked weren't willing to put in the work. bollocks did up good and proper. And, you know, and then they were saying like, we were totally right. And you go, for, for going to see a temple, you just, you know, you, you pissed off a lot of people. Yeah. They're not expecting you to do what they're already doing. You can see Shibuya another day. Absolutely. Lads. Harajuku will be there. Go back on your holidays. Yeah. Sid, Sid didn't die, die for that. that. Sid wouldn't go to something like that, it's the only thing. <laughs> yeah, they did what Sid would have done. Well, first of all, I'd like to say, Bradley Walsh did not win Presenter of the Year at the TV Awards, and Deck did. That's wrong. My Sid didn't die for this thing. I realise this is kind of going to be insensitive, actually. Mm. But mine's Or Kelly. I realise he's done a lot of bad things. <laughs> and this is not up in the top of the list, but it's still mm. a bad thing. He, he, I'm sure you know this, Pete, has... What I know has, 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 a, has a No, has a hip-hop opera. A hip opera. Yeah, and it's called Trapped in the Closet. It, it's an opera where he he sings everybody's lines. It's, it's kind of has the the I believe I can fly going through the whole thing. And if you put every chapter together, 
it's the same me background music the whole time don't and why, why did you think I would know about this because I thought it might be right up your alley trapped in the closet is right up my alley <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it has some very embarrassing lines and so he sings every part of this opera he sings every single thing that's happening everybody's line um, everybody what, everybody being the characters in it yeah okay and what everybody's doing so he's like I'm in the closet I'm opening the closet I walk to that kind of, you know, it's about him. He cheats on his wife. He wakes up in this woman's bed. The husband comes home, so he has to hide in the closet. The man is a pastor. He goes to open... Fusily or Tagliatelli. (laughs) (laughs) He goes to open the closet and Orkali pulls a gun out. So he doesn't attack him. He gets to go home. On the way home, he's caught for speeding. He gets home, has relations with his wife. And then after they're done, he f- sees a condom on the bed and he's like, I don't wear condoms. Of course I wear condoms. He doesn't wear condoms. So um, he gets angry and he asks, who was she sleeping with? Turns out it's the cop who stopped him on the way home. Oh, man. But it goes on and on in that vein and there's some <laughs> awful, awful lines. And I can see if I can get some examples. Some of the lines are, he opens the dresser, I pull out my Beretta. What a great rhyme. I closed my mouth and swallowed spit and thinking of myself. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, this is some deep shit. But one of them is, the next thing you know, she starts going real wild and starts screaming my name. Then I said, baby, we must slow down before I bust a vessel in my brain. <laughs> Careful, baby, my vessels in my brain are so feeble. But there are some awful, That's horrendous. Awful, awful. Now I'm dashing home, doing 85, <laughs> the funny thing is, is well, he had to censor the line I was going 85 and 40 to I was going 60 and 40. Someone made him say, <laughs> say, say didn't, didn't die, die for, for that. that. He didn't do the counting. How was supposed to know to do the counting? We were meant to be insane. So that's all three <laughs> Sid didn't die for this. Just another reason to dislike the bands you already like. This, this, you like R. Kelly? No. Okay. But that brings us to the end of episode 8 of Higher Fidelity. All that's left to do is wish you well, you travellers in podcast land. That's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you're all well. Uh, And all that's left to do is remind you to be rooting. Be tooting. And be shooting. Oh, I think it's always. It is. Always be shooting. Most importantly, be kind. Ah!